Welcome to the Memory Distillery, everyone. I'm Anthony Verneri. And I'm John Deck, and each week we will malt, mash, ferment, and distill our way through the spirits of our past in the form of long-loved movies. And this week, forget it, Donnie, you're out of your element. That's right, we're watching The Big Lebowski from 1998, directed by the Coen brothers. John, of the movies we've done recently, I mean, if I go back and just kind of look at our you mean like most Jaws? recent episodes... Yep, Jaws. That's one of the most recent ones we've done. Uh, no, like Joe versus the Volcano and Chasing Amy and Rounders and, uh, and even Tremors. I don't know that I have as vivid a memory of any of the uh, probably in the last six months that we've done. I don't have as vivid a memory as I do of this movie. Like it's just. I can recall so much about this film, and I'm so excited that we're watching it this week. You're just saying everything pales in comparison to The Dude. The Dude is one of my favorites. Yes, period. <laughs> I was like, where's the rest of that sentence going? <laughs> okay, that's good enough. That's, ex- that's it, an it, acceptable it answer. It almost got away from me. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I think this, is, this has both been a movie you and I have you know, long loved and uh, it's been it's been brought up to us from listeners saying you guys when are you gonna do you know movies like this and and it all came together for our beautiful number fifty that's right yeah the half century mark doing something special with it going with the Big Lebowski so yeah it's yeah. it's definitely like I mean personally I think we went over this I have some very strong feelings about Joe versus the volcano and and that I'd say is one that's one of the most vivid of the ones we've done recently. But in terms of its cult status and quotability and just overall great moviehood, uh, this is certainly one that's like super high up there. Um, it almost feels like off brand that we somehow have not, you know, gone, gone through and watched it until now. But, um, but I'm glad we did. We got to keep the hits, you know, got to layer them in there. You can't put them all, you know, Load them up front heavy. You got to throw in some, you know, Exorcist every once in a while. Got to have a few stinkers in there before you, <laughs> uh, before you pull a Lebowski. Uh, no, yeah, I, I really, I wanted to give this the the respect it was due, and I, I didn't think that you know episode one or episode five or episode ten or, or episode twenty five was was really worthy of, uh, you know this movie and so i'm i'm really glad that we're doing it now when we've kind of found our voice and got our feet wet and this is just gonna be so goddamn much fun it's so quotable it's it's so memorable and it's ah yes it's it's been too long as well for for me there there there's some movies that like when we go to cover them and watch them i just think how how did years pass by how and so this is one that it's just been too long since watching but i've noticed a, a pattern that a lot of times with the movies we do it's like i think the best episodes are ones that are either like really bad movies or really great movies <laughs> the ones that are just kind of <laughs> mediocre it's not that we don't have a bad show it's just it's hard to get fired up 
about like Tremors, for example, because it wasn't horrible and it wasn't great. It was just kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, that was cool, and we could talk about it. But like when it's like has a deeper meaning to us, or when it's just something we've loved, and I mean, I'm still gonna go into this and try to keep as open a mind as possible, but there's no way I'm gonna come away not liking this movie. So instead, it's like, how do we, how do, what do we look at? What do we remember? What what's new what what really brings us joy and all that good stuff so so yeah i mean i think the best thing we could do is just watch this yeah i agree john and i are gonna pause here feel free to watch along with us it is streaming on stars so uh if you have the stars streaming service go ahead and watch it there otherwise you know where to find movies it's not hard to do uh blockbuster yep exactly no not blockbuster hollywood video get it right that's what i meant yeah (laughs) all right uh we're gonna pause here and when we come back we are talking the big lebowski are you ready dude the dude abides Welcome back, everyone. Uh, John, are you calm? Uh, yeah. I I feel like I'm failing. I'm pretty sure that this is a reference to the movie, and I'm not picking up the bait that you're laying out. I'm calmer than you are. <laughs> calmer than you are, dude. Yeah. No, that's pretty good. That would be right after the gun, <laughs> gunshot incident. I'm, I'm. It's all coming back to me. I should say slowly that slowly but surely, right? I should say partly in 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 my defense that um, as it was deemed rather appropriate that this is the first time that I've watched this movie while having uh, my brain being slightly altered by chemicals that just seemed like a good fit for the Big Lebowski, but yet that might you know keep me from retaining every little bit of direct reference and all that kind of good stuff. Well, that's fine. But we'll 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 muscle through that. So mind altered by substances. Are we talking our usual substances? Or are you talking a more Washington friendly substance? Something that's one hundred percent legal in the state is what I'm referring to. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Uh, all right. Well, let's uh, let's go through what maybe you do remember, because mm. uh, I know that sometimes some of those substances can affect the memory. So let's uh, see what distilled through, shall we? Um. Yeah, I think at some point there was an alligator. Does that sound right? Is this the, uh... this movie? Are you thinking like Joe Dirt or? Um, probably Crawl. Crawl. Mm. Nope, that's not the movie we watched. Oh, man. Well, I guess we should probably take a break and... No, um... <laughs> Go watch the right movie? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I would say that, on the whole, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie as expected, and... I, I tried to, you know, take a, a different avenue to how how I enjoy the movie and, and what and what dimension. And I think that maybe this is, and, and it could be a coincidence, but this might be the time that this movie made the most sense to me. Um, <laughs> for and for interesting, and for a movie that 
is largely nonsensical in its origin, and that's fine because it's just what it is. But it's just like, yeah, man, like it really tied the room together, I think. <laughs> okay. I think I kind of, uh, I, I feel very much the same in terms of kind of how I still feel about the movie. Like uh, we've we've had a number of films that we've done on the Memory Distillery that we've both walked away going, man, this is this is not what I remember from my childhood or from, you know, my young adulthood. And this movie, I, I feel like it holds up in a way that is, is unique to the movies that we've done so far. So watching the big Lebowski, other than just being funny and enjoying it, like, um, did you have any revelations in terms of like the overall, I don't even know what to say. Like, I'm trying to think of why this movie is as incredibly popular as it is. So I, I, I think I, I kind of know what you were trying to say. And I, yes. So I, I think, especially from like a philosophical standpoint, I think that this movie speaks to a lot of people in a way that some other movies maybe don't. And particularly people in the sort of Gen X slash kind of early millennials generation there. Like the dude has this, this way about him, this, this way of thinking and living and doing that is sort of the essence of kind of a, an amalgamation of counterculture and the, the kind of free love movement of the sixties and and early seventies. And like, just kind of take it easy man and go with the flow and and all that stuff and i think that people especially around our age really relate to this really well uh maybe even in a way that you know people younger than us uh when i say younger i mean much younger you know on the order of maybe my son's age probably wouldn't relate to this uh, as well as we did yeah it's it's interesting because I, I I just guess the the movie itself, in terms of the plot, in terms of the way it it kind of jumps through dream sequences and and is <laughs> you know you you go from one scene to the next scene and it doesn't always you don't really have a lot of resolution or know exactly how you got where you're at and and so it's like there's something about it that I'm not gonna say is empty but it there, there's something in there that just feels like if you're looking for a, a typical plot-driven movie or even a character-driven movie, this this feels more like an amalgamation of different bits and parts. Um, that the 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 way it's kind of stitched together, I think, is almost like an artistic statement rather than simply just oh here here's a a movie mystery or here's something just so happened that shortly before watching the big Lebowski, I watched uh, to catch a thief. Um, okay. I don't know if you're, if you're overly familiar off the top of your head on, on that one. I've seen it. It's uh basically Hitchcock film where you have Cary Grant as a, uh, like retired or is he cat burglar? Um, <laughs> who's, you know, out on the French Riviera. And then there's a bunch of, uh, different, heists that are happening jewel thieves and and stuff like that and it's like he's kind of being framed everyone thinks it's him and and so it's kind of this noir style 
uh, you know, whodunit type of thing. And I just think it's interesting. I mean, in almost every conceivable way, it's a very different movie than The Big Lebowski. And yet, um, when you get to the core of these two movies, it is kind of a you're you're thrust into the middle of a bizarre situation that you know trying to figure out what exactly is happening is it what it appears and what does it appear to be and and of course everything in the big lebowski is much more you know over the top crazy um stylistically uh and yet one of the things and like with to catch a thief i thought it was okay but i really it it didn't hold up like what my memory had told me about it. And I know maybe I should save that for like an actual podcast that we do where we talk about if our memories of movies match up with what we think when we see them now, but I don't think that kind of podcast would get any traction. Probably not. Um, yeah. But so to, to go to, to watch that and go, okay, that's okay. But I just didn't feel super connected and it just, you know, I, there were things I liked about it, but overall, it just didn't really connect too much with me like some other uh, Hitchcock movies did. And and with The Big Lebowski, there were some similar things where I didn't necessarily connect. There wasn't this amazing flowing plot where everything is all intricate and connected and, and stuff like that. And yet at the same time, for this movie, I had a thoroughly enjoyable experience and I still liked it. So it's just kind of a weird thing where I'm trying to identify what what is it that I liked? Why did it connect with me? And then, you know, it... It didn't do tremendously well when it first came out, but obviously it's become like maybe one of the top ten cult classic movies, you know, of, sure. of our times. So, so what's the answer? What is that special ingredient? Like, you know, I know you kind of already addressed part of this. I'm just, I'm still, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I, 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 I feel like I have the answer myself, though. I mean, I think maybe, I think maybe that is the answer. I think that the answer is different for everybody. Like, I think that for you know, for me, the answer is the dude's philosophy and, and you know the dude abides. I I even went so far that this is a hundred percent true. Uh, what four or five years ago, I went uh, on to uh, this website, the the Church of the Latter Day Dude, and got ordained, <laughs> and I actually performed a wedding as a dudist priest. Uh, like it's it's a thing and it's it's simplistic in its philosophy but it's also profound in its philosophy uh you know what it boils down to is like take it easy you know don't yeah well well you know that's just like your opinion man yeah exactly so like i i think that that carries more weight for much of the 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 big lebowski fan base than any any plot point would you know it's that there's there are movies that rely heavily on the plot and yes at at its core filmmaking should be very much entrenched in a plot but sometimes there are movies out there that are just there's an air about them or, or, or an essence or a philosophy that is the overriding feature of that film. And that's what take takes precedence for a lot of the people who enjoy it rather than uh, an in-depth storyline that, that grips the audience and, and, and whisks you away to a, a faraway land of Los Angeles, uh, you know, the, the city of angels, uh, you know, <laughs> and, and, 
like that's not necessarily necessary for a movie to be good and for a movie to speak to people you know and i i think part of its appeal in that vein you know tied to what you're saying is that it's it's definitely a movie that is its fan base can be emphatic its fan base can be dedicated its fan base can you know be loyal and and love this movie to ridiculous extents but they're not overly confrontational they're very much like the dude they're very zen they're very relaxed Mm -hmm. you know it's a very hey man you know this is awesome movie and i love it and it's great and if you don't whatever you know like yeah this is not a you know a a star wars type thing or doctor who or you know a lot of sci-fi i don't know why that's coming to mind but like that whole thing where you know people get divided and angry and you know it becomes a whole thing now a perfect example of that actually is rick and morty and we can talk about that but rick and morty fans are certain uh, a very certain set of that fan base is almost insufferable but yes i i I 100% agree with what you're saying. Yeah, and and I mean, and Rick and Morty's a great show, but yet that's not the point. I know that's not what you're saying. And so it's it's the people, it's the people who represent that, you know, can drive you insane. And so it, it's like no matter how strongly or how weakly I feel about the movie, I feel like the support that it gets is, is chill enough that it doesn't irritate or bother me. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm not left... Like, when I watch most Wes Anderson movies, for example, like, I come out of it with an appreciation of so many different scenes, so many different ways things were shot, the dialogue used, the coloring, the soundtrack, all these things here. With, with like, The Big Lebowski, I enjoyed moments that were great things happening, but I didn't feel this draw into it that certain other movies that are a bit weird and whimsical seem like an artistic statement whereas to me they were taking some of these steps they were inserting scenes to make it this absurdist artistic take but i didn't have that same like revelation or revelatory like wow you know this is just a beautifully shot perfect thing um but to almost contradict myself, which I know one of our listeners, Joe, loves it when I do. Um, <laughs> I did find small things that were done, you know, through the movie that I just thought these touches are, are obviously on purpose and they're just wonderful and they don't call your attention to it. Like I never noticed before. I never noticed that Donnie never wears a bowling shirt with his name on it. It's a different name. Like every time you see him, oh, I had nothing else to say other than like that just it was a subtle little touch and it cracked me up. <laughs> so Donnie not wearing a shirt with his own name on it. There's actually a, a fairly popular fan theory about Donnie. I don't know if you're familiar with this or not. Uh, that he was dead the whole time. That, yeah, exactly. That he was dead the whole time. Oh, that really? Was one I was, of Walter's I... <laughs> buddies who died in Vietnam. Cause you know how, you know, uh, ah. Walter constantly talks about his time in Vietnam and, Something that supports it is that almost no one throughout the entire film talks to Donnie except for Walter. And it's usually him telling him to shut up or that he's out of his element or something. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. And nobody nobody acknowledges Walter addressing Donnie because... Because he's crazy. You know, maybe because he's just, you know, he's a crazy, you know, PTSD experiencing war vet. 
So like that's that, that's one of the most popular fan theories. I'm so glad that you brought up Donnie in that <laughs> context because, uh, like that's it's a very popular fan theory. Not necessarily one that I subscribe to. I think that maybe Donnie is just there and is timid enough that he only really talks to Walter, uh, and sometimes the dude, but more or less, I I. I subscribe to the idea that Donnie is in fact alive and is, you know, does have a heart attack at the end of the movie. Like, Yeah, it, it's, I mean, clearly that theory, which is kind of fun to, to bounce around, is something that I would probably imagine is easily debunkable in terms of, you know, this isn't the sixth sense where you go back and watch it and try to determine was oh, there certainly. was there any scene where it looked like they were alive or not, or you know, like it. it but yeah, still, I think that's a lot of fun. And um, uh, speaking of understated, like even Steve Buscemi's uh, role in the movie just was very a light touch. You know, he was not. Mm-hmm. He didn't have the, the strongest moments. He didn't have the, the you know big lines. I mean. It was pretty funny. I enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, he was just kind of a a background player and almost like a, a component of Walter's uh, psych, psychology. Psyche or whatever, or, yeah, yeah, psyche. And so, yeah, so that, that theory just... I When I said that, I don't know if I've actually heard that before and forgot, but it definitely wasn't on my mind actively. Um, so yeah, so that's cool. I like that. No, yeah, something that I read a few years ago, and I was like, "Wow, that that could hold water." If you if you took out one or two small scenes, that would be a- almost unimpeachable. That theory, uh, the the one biggest scene that sort of draws away from it is when they are the three of them are standing outside the bowling alley, and uh, the car is gone, and the dude starts walking, and. Uh, Donnie is like, "Hey, your your phone's ringing, dude. Okay, thanks, Donnie." Like oh. that's <laughs> that that that's probably the one thing that that destroys that fan theory. But if you took that scene out, uh, that would uh, that would make it really hard to sort of argue against the idea that Donnie is uh, actually a ghost or or a figment of Walter's imagination. So speaking of. Uh, of other characters people who make this movie what it is um i i do feel like it is just a, a collection of characters and and we're privy to you know the dude and the circle of people around the dude and all the things that have happened in you know one you know the space of this small amount of time with the dude but like right. i i think another person i'd love to highlight is uh julian moore sure yeah Maud. uh because i uh, again, another example of someone who I was just a little more impressed than drawn in and really enjoyed her performance. Um, and so it was one of the more serious-ish characters. Sure. over-the-top ridiculous, and yet... Very over-the-top such... ridiculous also. Yeah, like... <laughs> but also, yeah, very over-the-top ridiculous, but in a way that like almost challenges you to say that, you know, she's being over the top when you compare her and what's going on with everything else uh, that you're confronted with. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's like a real, like almost a a true duality with her. Like you have this super artistic 
side that is like very you know oh artsy whatever and then there's the other side that's very practical and and like responsible and and all that so uh no maude is a very cool character in in the overall story and, and how she states things very matter-of-factly and is is very no nonsense especially when it comes to like uh taking the rug back from the dude after he took it from her father and then also like you know oh yeah you know this is the best position for me to conceive don't worry like i don't want you involved it's literally just you know basically in so many words she basically said you're just a sperm donor and i just want to have a child there are elements of like her performance in a way that reminded me just a bit of um various meg ryan characters in joe versus the volcano uh in that she has that like independent streak she's gonna make it it's almost like I'd say probably Angelica, the the middle of the three uh, yeah. performances, where she's an artist, uh, she doesn't have her father's approval, is kind of like you know battling back and forth in a way. Like there's just those elements that I was like, yeah, that's kind of a, a, a funny connection as well. Because why wouldn't you want to connect everything to Joe versus the volcano? Of course, but I, that I I would say is one of the most valid connections you could make to Joe versus the volcano. Like. Uh, she's she's very much like the angelica character for sure yeah the the movie itself there's despite the zaniness of it there's a lot of darkness in here yes absolutely there's there's a scene that kind of highlights that darkness a little bit in a funny way like in a very dark comedy sort of sense but uh when the nihilists are in the diner and that woman is with them. You've never seen this woman throughout the rest of the movie. And she doesn't seem to serve any other purpose in the movie, except for uh, a a closed loop with the, uh, the, the missing or the, the toe that was mailed to the big Lebowski. Uh, You mean Amy Mann? Yes. So she, <laughs> the, her, her sole purpose in the movie is to be the toe, essentially. Yeah. Or not the toe. Uh, or not the toe. Yeah. The, the, the remainder uh, from the toe. Uh, she, uh, that whole concept is sort of, of dark and, and eerie almost like, wow, you, you let these dudes just cut your fucking toe off. Like. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's just so much from substance abuse to PTSD to, like, um, you know, family issues and, you know, murder plots or, you know, like, like, it's just like you're just adjacent to super dark, serious things throughout at all times. And yet, like, that, that sweet baby butter of uh the dude is just like smoothing it all out and like he's just riding along the edges of all these things and it's like the the presence you you have with him as a viewer when you when you watch him and you're you know seeing things through his eyes you know sure sometimes he gets beaten about the head and neck and sure sometimes you know there are 
uh, car accidents. Sometimes people have heart attacks. Sometimes people get shot. Sometimes, you know, like there's all these things happening. You know, you get threatened in a bathtub. You get, (laughs) you know, know, like you you get a, 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 what a, a, a weasel or whatever dropped in the, in the bath with you. Like, yeah. Uh, so like no, all I, these things are happening in it, but it's like, it's not necessarily played for laughs. It's played for absurdity, which is different. And so it's this absurdist view that you are just forced to embody. You're in the middle of it. And so if you're the kind of person who can laugh at that, then it's funny. And if you're the kind of person who feels uncomfortable, I bet you're one of the people who are just like, ah, I just can't stand this movie. It probably annoys me, which, you know, I, I wouldn't fault someone if, if these things didn't connect and they just didn't put the pieces together. Well, and those different sort of higher level things that you talked about, like PTSD and, and murder and substance abuse and all that. I wonder how they address that in, because I haven't watched it yet, uh, The Jesus Rolls, which is the spinoff of this movie, which focuses on Jesus Quintana, uh, played by John Turturro. Um, in the uh, in, in the movie, the Big, the Big Lebowski, when he's introduced and, and has talked about, he's introduced as somebody who had to register as a sex offender for showing, you know, for, for basically for flashing a, a young boy and how he had to go around the neighborhood and uh and you know notify people that he was a uh, a pedophile yeah. essentially like how is that rectified in this movie the the Jesus rolls you know i'm very yeah, interested like, in how that sort of all plays out yeah i can't say i'm very interested i could say that i'm not interested but that's a good point <laughs> that would be about as fair as i can get but like i do think <laughs> if it had just been walter just going off about him oh no dude he's you know he's a pedophile like if that if that if that would have been the end of it it's like well maybe is maybe isn't but that's just walter but they actually do the cutscene and they show him to try to play it for laughs like humor of him showing up you know walking you know having to face you know everybody in the neighborhood and tell them in person all this stuff and so it's like they they definitely made it canon like this is a real thing so as much as I don't really want to watch the Jesus rolls because nothing it, about it seems to have gotten any kind of uh, positive and, response. And if I'm, I'm looking at IMDb right now. It's 4.3 out of 10 stars. So, and so that sounds like a movie you might watch and you sure. can report back to us and let us know what you think. <laughs> that, that definitely sounds like a, uh, a tasting room uh, segment. <laughs> oh Yeah. Uh, that's th- this is definitely not a a film we will be reviewing on the memory distillery at least not in any sort of long format so to the the big lebowski we have a coen brothers movie yeah um one of the most classic iconic of their movies i mean they've had what almost 20 movies i think but probably about maybe 12 ish that are like pretty popular yeah i mean um, if you're if you're looking for iconic coen brothers movies are like you know that have the you know i the the coen stamp on them probably about 12 and in fact you know what like i know a lot of times when we're going through and covering movies we like to segue to the side and talk for a bit like make lists of favorite roles that different people have had or different you know i'll list of our top five favorite movies but 
Um, I want to change it up just a bit here and throw this at you uh, for more of a, a, a quick draw, rapid fire back and forth. I'm going to just ask you, um, you know, a couple of questions about different favorite movies or roles or things. And I just want to kind of go back and forth without overthinking it, without explaining it, just kind of your opinion. Um, okay, are, are we including the, the Big Lebowski in this? Because the, the Big Lebowski is a part of everything. So, of course, okay. we're including it. So right. first off, as you're probably guessing, is going to be the Coen Brothers, uh, your your favorite movie that they've done. <sighs> the Big Lebowski. See, I I I I'm a sucker for a story that's put together even better, and I I'm going to say Fargo. I fucking knew you were going to say Fargo. It's, it's, <laughs> it is a really good movie. I'm not going to say because yep. they have a lot of really good movies under their belts. So no, they do. Far, they Fargo's have, a completely yeah, I can valid answer. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, we're not going to... This is the rapid-fire edition, so we're just going to move on. All right, hit um, me. So next, your favorite Jeff Bridges performance. Tron. Um, I'm going to say Hell or High Water. Okay, then third and possibly final of our rapid-fire questions is your favorite performance by John Goodman. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go with one of his lesser-known, probably darker roles and say 10 Cloverfield Lane. I can't stand you. I can't stand you. I can't stand you. You're a horrible person, and I hope a brick hits you in the face. Because he that has been be in what? Pick. He's been, what, 70 movies? I don't know. He's been in a million things. And you picked 10 Cloverfield Lane? What kind of an idiot would just pick that out of all the things he's done? Yes, of course, the answer is I would. Because that is what I was going to say, too. Ugh. So frustrating. Yeah. No, that's, of course, don't have to argue there because we picked the same damn thing. Yes. All right. Those are are my rapid fires. I I think I'll conclude after three. So I just like throwing them out there. We can can move on. That was a good little segment. I actually... um, Uh Uh-oh. Are you going to rapid fire back at me? No, I'm not going to rapid fire back. I am going to ask a question. This isn't our final question or anything, but... uh, so there's that you have that scene uh, where they go to the kid's house, Larry, and are sort of interrogating him as though they're cops, and then uh, Walter goes out to you know bust up the Corvette that's in front of the house that doesn't actually belong to Larry, and there's two cuts of this scene. There's the one that we probably both saw as we were watching it on Stars, but then there's another cut that you would see on like Comedy Central or TBS, which takes out fuck a stranger in the ass and turns it into, do you see what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps? Which is a very, very funny uh, sort of change. You see what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps? And he's beating the shit out of this car. And I was wondering, what are some other funny uh, TV edits for movies that you've seen Ooh. From, from a dialogue standpoint mm-hmm. I, I i'm trying i mean there have been many but i can't tie them to specific movies off the top of my head i i just know that there are a lot of a lot of word substitutions that always would crack me up like when people would go on a rant and they'd be like you're full of sugar, Nancy. You're full of sugar. You know, and it would just be like that. Those are always kind of fun and entertaining. But um, I will say that 
way back in the day um ended up kind of i wouldn't like i'd say babysitting slash hanging out with the daughter of a pastor um and as far as like movies to watch it's kind of like similar to what you know you experienced with 16 candles um but we had picked a movie what was it it was i can't remember even which one it was but it was something in that vein where i've only seen like the tnt or tbs version or something Uh like that and then to watch the the unedited thing and realize that like 40% 40% of the movie wasn't ever really shown in its, you know, true colors. And and so, I don't know, do you have any specific examples? I think the topic overall is funny, but I'm, it's been a long time since I've watched the edited, made-for-TV versions of most anything. Sure. I mean, a lot of us have sort of unsubscribed from cable, but uh, there are a few versions of, of movies that I think are particularly funny. One uh, is Casino, where uh, or or, um, Robert De Niro is like, fuck me. Fuck you, you motherfucker. Uh, and in the cable TV version, it's forget me. Forget you, you mother forgetter. Uh, <laughs> so just sort of carrying that on. Uh, one movie that we've done on the Memory Distillery before, The Exorcist, uh, the original uh, Linda Blair or or you know, the, the demon, the demon possessing. Wow. Linda Blair the, the or the demon. Yep. The demon possessing. <laughs> Linda Blair or the demon possessing her says your mother sucks cocks in hell. The T made for TV version says your mother's so your wow. Your mother sews socks <laughs> that smell. Say that five times fast. I don't even want to say it once. It, so there's one movie that has two made for TV edits. Uh, one of them, uh, sorry, Die Hard Two is the movie in question and the line. In the original is Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker, while he's laying on the, the runway and about the, you know, waiting for the plane to blow up. Spoilers. Uh, so two versions, one that I don't like as much as the other. The one that I like less is Yippee-ki-yay, Kimasabi. <laughs> the one that I like more is Yippee-ki-yay, Mr. Falcon, because it makes absolutely no fucking sense whatsoever in the context of the that's, movie. Yeah, that's pretty great. I don't know if there's any others that you can think of. Yeah, I'm wrecking my brain, but nothing comes to mind off the top of my head. But yeah, that's I Yippie Kaye, Mr. Falcon. That's pretty good. I, I do think it's interesting, like we just watched Tremors, um was that last week or two weeks ago? Yeah, I can't remember. Last now. week. Uh, um and I do know that in order to get a better rating, they like re edited their script. And so they self edited and so there were a lot of mother humpers. <laughs> I don't yeah, know if you noticed that's that. That's true, yeah. Where I was like, that almost sounds like it's a edited for TV, you know. So I wonder if that was all done in post production just to get the, the you know, rating down to a PG or PG thirteen or whatever it was originally. That's wow! I had no idea. Like I, I just thought that they were being funny. I didn't think that it had anything to do with like improving their their rating down from what like an NC seventeen to an R or probably that, that that's probably what I was. I'm pretty sure it's an R. Uh, or wow, maybe that's... it was just too many objections, or like, the... no, it was PG thirteen. Yep. Huh. That's wild. I use the internet; it'll tell you things. You probably don't know that, but so yeah. So I think it was R, and then they just the biggest reason was the language, so they toned it down with a few different choice uh, mother humpers. Oh, 
those naughty words. Yeah, that's really the things that we should be concerned about. Not how many people are murdered and how much decapitation happens or, you know, like it's just if you say the word fuck, that's just going to destroy a person forever. Yep, that's true. That's 100% true. I mean, I, I don't even know what I have to say that could top that bold <laughs> statement about life. <laughs> Did you have any particularly favorite scenes or moments in The Big Lebowski? As far as favorite scenes, it's so weird to me because I just feel like so much of what happens, it, it's all, like I think I said earlier, it's all stitched together like a, a quilt of absurd comedy. You know, it's their bits and pieces and characters all over the place. So, like, there are some things that didn't land, but as far as, like, a favorite or one of the favorite parts, like, things don't really come to mind in that way. I, I think they're, they're just these... Or, or maybe there's just a whole bunch of small little vignettes or scenes or things that are funny. Um, I could say um, when they're bowling. Oh, wait, that's like, you know. <laughs> so half the movie. Okay. Um, I do like uh, the the little scene with the dude and Sam Elliott, the stranger or whatever. Sure. Um, so, but yeah, no, I, nothing. I, I, I feel a high level overall of appreciation of the movie and yet there aren't segments that really jump out at me. What about you? You know, I, I don't know that I can disagree with that. Cause like there's, there are scenes that if you put them into any other movie, you would say, man, this scene is going on for fucking ever. Yeah. Uh, and it's early on, like the scene where, uh, the dude is walking with, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character through the house and like looking at all the awards and the key to the city yeah. and all that other stuff. And you're, you're just sort of like, you're riding along this wave. And I feel like if you, if you had injected that kind of a scene into another movie, you would have been like, okay, cool. Where is the chase and how do I cut to it? Uh, like it, it, but it works really, really well for this movie. Uh, the the scene five minutes later where they're out on the pool deck and, uh, you know, Bunny's painting her nails and she's like, blow on my nails. And she keeps telling him to blow on her nails. And it, in another movie, that would be an awkward, sort of uncomfortable moment. And the dude is just like, uh, I'm going to go find a cash machine. And yeah. like they, there's this, you're right. There's this movie is a whole series of these small scenes or, or, or vignettes, as you put it, which is a, a probably a great way to put it, uh, that coalesce into this movie. And I, I feel like that's what we're handed at the end. And, and maybe that's why it works so well is because that's what it's meant to be. Or maybe that's just what we've decided is, is, is what it should be. I think all of us, all this talk about the big Lebowski, I think I finally hit it. I've, I've gotten the answer to the question I've been asking, which is why, why this movie, why does it appeal to people? Why does it connect? Why does it stick in their craw as the case may be? And I think when you get down to it, you see all of this randomness you see all of this like <laughs> any even the fact that they have nihilists as a part of this is is funny in its own <laughs> thing but you ha you have all these different groups of people who each in their own right are different levels of ridiculousness and there's a sense of 
distress and a sense of hopelessness at different points, like being thrust into positions you never asked to be in and having to deal with it while maintaining some level of compassion or sanity or understanding and just trying to make sense. And I think we all collectively, or many of us, have experienced this in life where we're just feeling like things just don't make sense. This doesn't seem right. This doesn't seem fair. This doesn't seem like how things should be. And one reaction at that point would be get to the point where we just collapse in on ourselves. We shut down. Uh, another solution would be to pull a gun out of our bowling bag and start shooting in the air and screaming. <laughs> like there's a million things, but yet what we're doing is we're following the path of the dude and we're seeing how he interacts with everything. And I think the fact that all of this occurs, all of this craziness and through it all, the dude abides, you know? And so as a viewer, as someone who's watching this movie, what do we get out of this? We get a sense of, you know, viscerally watching a person endure insanity on every level around him constantly and somehow just make it through without being completely shattered, you know, finding a way to enjoy life and relax and just chill, uh, whatever path that takes. So, yeah. So I think that's kind of my, my takeaway. And, you know, there's, it's not as though the dude is immune to the the things that are going on. Like there's there's times where he just he like he's I won't say breaks down, but he like he loses his cool and his composure and gets like, yeah. gets pissed or gets aggravated or or gets upset. Uh, you know, fighting with the nihilists. And granted, that's more of defending himself, but. He's he's not immune to it, but he's this central grounding point for the viewer, and it's it's so odd in a movie to have that central point where you can ground yourself to and say, okay, this is my center, this is my safe space, and have it be someone like the dude, and I th- and maybe that's what resonates most with people. You're right, like that's that's people go okay well the dude abides therefore i must also abide and that works and it works really well and it 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 makes uh, it's probably what makes this movie the the cult classic that it's become yeah i mean that is where i get off this particular bus so i agree (laughs) so before we wrap up i did have one more question so we see the dude sort of going through this series of events and it's it's a hell of we'll call it a week because it feels like a week uh he he goes through a hell of a week what is the dude what what does the dude's life look like when he's not doing all this shit hmm i think he's probably doing some like real high level investing some some you know very you know anti-dude level like corporate wall street stocks and bonds kind of stuff like he's really he's getting it all laid out he's he's got a separate secret private office where he gets all the the flow charts and the the computers and screens and everything all set up so that he can hit some buttons get everything set and then walk out have money flowing and then he can just go get high and sit in the pool or something. So you're saying he's a little bit dude and a little bit 
Patrick Bateman. A little minus bit. or minus all the murder. Well, not necessarily. No, but <laughs> I, minus I, I most of the murder. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say he's American Psycho at all. I I think he he just is not as dumb as he appears and knows that he's got to find a way to to finance his dudeness. You know, he he puts on a, a, a hat and goes in another room and it's a divider and he he has to play the role and do what it takes so he can spend 10% of his time making, you know, ballsy decisions about, you know, what to buy and sell. And then he can just walk away from that knowing, okay, now I don't have to worry about money. Now that's just gone. Cause I mean, he's someone who just, you know, doesn't want to have to worry too much about anything. So it would make sense that, you know, he could be some guy who just partitions a little part of himself off disappears for a while does some insane crazy uh you know portfolio management and then just pops back out into the the clothes he wants to wear the person he wants to be and just relaxes i don't know that i could come up with a better storyline than that i think that that's perfect for what the dude does in his in his non-dude time yeah (laughs) well all right then i i did you have anything else before we before we no, wrap that's, here, that's that's the heat that I'm bringing. Well, in that case, thank you all so much for listening. This has been our episode on the Big Lebowski. Uh, listen every Monday as we release new episodes and distill more favorites from our past. By the way, uh, we put out uh, posts on Twitter and Facebook. If you haven't seen them yet, go check those out. We have a Tasting Room episode coming up very, very soon to celebrate our one-year anniversary, which is coming up. And we would like your input. So please uh, send us an email uh, or hit us up on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. John's going to give you all those details in a second. But yes, please do so and uh, join us each week as we distill another favorite from our past. And as you all know, The Big Lebowski is filled with all sorts of amazing auditory experiences, some of which are tied to music. So many. And as long as we're on the topic of music, I might as well mention that the music that's used in our podcast comes from the song Destroying the Evidence by Semaphore, a band that's a lot of fun. You should check them out. Some of their music even has lyrics, um, just like the one (laughs) we use. And then on the opposite side of that coin, besides checking out their music, what you should be doing, taking action, living the life, is emailing us uh, at thememorydistillery at gmail.com because we need your questions, your insights, your ideas, and your thoughts. The tasting room's coming up. We are going to rely on you uh, to provide us with direction. What do you want to hear about? What what you know movies do you want us to get back into? What things do you think we screwed up or missed out on? Um, what bizarre personal questions do you have about Anthony's dogs? You know, whatever comes to mind. Uh, MemoryStillery at gmail.com. And then also at TMDPod on Twitter and Instagram uh, is where you can find us there as well. Um, but we're looking forward to that. And uh, again, thanks for listening. I am John Deck. And I am Anthony Veneri. And this has been the Memory Distillery. The Dude of Vibes. Hey,